Hello, world, and welcome to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that we're the star, or something like that. So, in previous episodes, we've talked to Megan, Tony, Adam, and we all know the one thing that connected them was <laughs> geek therapy world stuff. So I told everyone, check out the D&D stream on Geek Therapeutics Twitch. Actually, it's like geek therapy, twitch.com or .tv slash geek therapeutics. Look, whatever Twitch is, just look up geek therapy. Eh, just look up geek therapeutics. It'll be there. And you'll see me and some of the names presented earlier bi-weekly. Well, at this rate, I really just think I'm going to end up bringing everyone in that game on. Just stagger it out because, you know, <laughs> you don't want everyone too close together. But tonight we have on someone who could way better introduce himself than I can, but Dr. Gameology. Hello, hello. Hello. Is that where you're going to go by, though, Dr. Gameology? Yes. When you pay to trademark a new name for yourself, you want to use it. Perfect. Just making sure, because we don't always call you that in the D&D game, and I was like, uh, should we be? Well, I was Daniel long before I was Dr. Kaufman. And then uh, I realized teaching online classes that if I want my students really to remember me, just having my own PhD isn't enough. I need an alter ego like Iron Man is Tony Stark, like Batman is Bruce Wayne and uh, Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. So uh, I just decided to rebrand my Twitch channel, start talking about mental health things and the psychological side of games while I'm streaming and uh, create a name that counselors would know what that word means too, which is gameology. So uh, that's how I got on the path to making it to be a star on your podcast. Woo, a star I'm so happy to have. So feel free to now go into your about you, unless that was it. <laughs> oh, well, there's a lot more things. Um, so I am a grad school professor. I teach mostly online classes. Before the pandemic, I was teaching in a classroom. But then my university decided to make the counseling program that I'm a core faculty for completely online. So oh. for right now, for right now, I'm doing all of my teaching online, all my therapy online, all my clinical supervision online, all my D&D online, and my streaming obviously is online. So, um, well, I like to say that I have, you know, a handful of friends that I trust and I interact with. My three best friends are actually, it seems some days, primary monitor, left monitor, and right monitor. Ooh, three monitors. I do have a three monitor set up because... Uh, it just, I, I grade a lot of things. That's the reality for online instructors. And uh, so it just got to the point where I wanted to be able to fully enjoy a movie. Like uh, my most notorious grading movies that I use are things like the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition, because it really helps the day go to just have something fun, entertaining, fictional, and mythical to watch that's three and a half hours long, which is roughly how long I will sit in grade papers before I need to have a mental break. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Other things I- The whole time without a break. Oh yeah, and it's really, it's really interesting how often you grade a paper that has no peer reviewed sources and has no headings and has really 
uh, less than decent APA right at the exact moment that Gandalf says, you shall not pass. So you're the professor I, I feared. Well, no, I'm actually very nice as a professor. I have a list of things that are like the bare minimum. Um, and the rubrics that my university uses and also places where I adjunct teach, online rubrics tend to be very forgiving. And I don't, I don't mess with rubrics and do my own math. So if the rubric says that, like I might think in my head that your paper is a 72. If the rubric comes back and says you got a 78, then you got a 78, that's fine. In fact, if you get 79.6, I will put in an 80 because I like complete numbers. Um, Woo. Yeah, like I, I want people to succeed in life, but everything I've ever written that was for a grade or for uh, being submitted for peer review publication, I have sources all over the place. You know, like I, I don't feel like it's that hard uh, just because we're in the, the, the 2021 part of the human timeline. So uh, more things about me. I, I really enjoy what Geek Therapeutics does. Uh, I've been doing my own, like just personal to myself brand of geek therapy ever since before I knew companies were organized to actually share that with ourselves across the country. And I've always loved video games. So I look at video games like they are the source of modern mythology. They are a place to experiment, to develop our personal philosophies for life, to encounter peoples and problem situations in a stress-free way to really figure out who do I want to be when I'm faced with these different kinds of adversities. And that's actually gotten me really far. But once I started doing presentations uh, for Geek Therapeutics, and it gave me a really natural outlet to share things like my dissertation research, which I researched the game Star Wars The Old Republic. I got over 500 players for that game to do a Myers-Briggs type indicator for their personality um, assessment. And then they did a motivation for playing online games questionnaire. And then they answered a about a hundred questions about how they play actually Star Wars The Old Republic. And so I was able to break down all 16 Myers-Briggs types and say with pretty good reliability, with a, a reasonable end value uh, proportionate to the general population, um, that this is how you play MMO games probably based on knowing your personality data. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, so that's that's one thing that actually really uh, kind of thrust me into doing more things with Geek Therapeutics because, as you know, uh, Tony, some of his research from early on in his career is very similar, just like, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi kind of uh, ideas floating around there. Uh, I'm definitely Pepsi, though. He can be Coke. I was about uh, to ask. I was like, which one are you? <laughs> Yeah, definitely I'm the Pepsi. Uh, don't tell him that um, because he needs to be a happy monk cat person for us every other Friday. Uh, and I, I don't want him to be upset about which soda I just assigned him. But wouldn't Coke help with that? It probably would, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, so... I also have been streaming on Twitch, but when I switched my name to Dr. Gameology, I was in the middle of playing through Persona 5 Royal, which has 
Jungian concepts all over the place and uh, gave me a lot of opportunity to practice creating this whole other stream identity that, you know, if something psychological or related to mental health or good self-care happens during the game, then I'll just go into a alternate screen now where the game is not the focus. It's me, maybe me in a PowerPoint slide, maybe just me in my background and just sit there for five minutes and do a little mini lecture on why that was valuable. Maybe save someone from needing a full therapy session uh, from time to time because someone who like really lives this stuff and believes in it gave them a cool idea to spin around in their head for the rest of the afternoon. Um, of course, if you need therapy and you are trying to work something out, don't watch one of my mental health moments and say, I don't need a counselor. That's not the point <laughs> at all. Um, but you know, you know what I mean? It's just sort of trying to share little ideas that I talk about three to five times a day with different people in their paid therapy sessions and video games just bring these ideas rolling out of me. So I, I like to share that as often as I can, as, as many different ways as possible. Yeah, that's how I found Geek Therapeutics in a way, too, because I use using Kingdom Hearts as a mindfulness journey. Mm. Such a mindfulness yeah. journey. <laughs> uh, yeah, even just trying to figure out all 27 games in the franchise and how they actually fit in a cohesive timeline. And they say, like, hearts, darkness, light enough. I'm like, good. <laughs> Drill it into everyone's heads. And everyone that plays, you know, just think of it, like, barely and maybe, like, just osmosis it into yourself. But like you said earlier, personal philosophies come out of video games. It's amazing. How much? I mean, if, if you can follow Kingdom Hearts, then you're getting much more of a philosophical workout than people who would sit and listen <laughs> to someone traveling through a, a Greek city-state talking about the Odyssey. You know, that it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to flex those cognitive skills to try and follow a video game. Yeah. I, would, I thought you meant flex, like show off flex, because I'm like, that too, especially with Kingdom Hearts. I'm like, oh, I understand it. It's but, a cognitive um, workout to follow Kingdom Hearts. That's exactly what I meant. I know, but yeah, no, exactly what you were saying. Uh, but the source of modern mythology, I thought that was a very fascinating statement because you are so right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, it's, it was just uh, like pop culture moments come from video games sometimes. Like we all know Aerith dies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, we're so confident that we all know Aerith dies until we see what happens with remake part two. Um, that, that even when you're watching movies like Wreck-It Ralph and you have the graffiti in the subway, it says, you know, Aerith lives. And so like for, for Square Enix to approve that in collaboration with a Disney film is just like, that's a that's a zeitgeist bit of knowledge right there. Like 1997 until now, we're still fascinated with the fate of Aerith. And that is exactly what I'm talking about when you take fiction and enter it into what is myth. You know, that there are there are people in books of you know religion like like a, a Bible that we know less about than the people who have spent time thinking about Aerith. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's three or four people in that book that we spend all our energy <laughs> indoctrinating people into. But 
Aerith rises above many, many, many characters in many books. Not trying to single out just one. But no, you're completely correct. Which is a great place to plug the therapeutic the geek therapeutics um, Final Fantasy book they have. Go check it out. Oh, I have to send you screenshots on Monday. I forgot to send it to you. I'll do that later. But <laughs> it was <just laughs> okay on a Final Fantasy group. So what was I going with this? Okay, modern mythology. Oh yeah, because like press F for respect. That's basically a pop culture modern mythology that came from video video game. I I just leave Fs all, all the time on people's statuses. And people are like, wow, why are you so vulgar? I'm like, no, it's for respect. And then mm. I'm like, here's the gif of just someone pressing F nonstop. And they're like, oh. Yeah, that one might be a bit of a stretch. I think that if I tried to do that in the places where I'm typing throughout most of the day, students would be very upset. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but so personal philosophy. Uh, well, I guess we could hold that off for later, actually, because I think we get somewhat into that. So we haven't even hit the normal questions yet, people. So here we go. Question number one. So you're basically a therapeutic geek internet celebrity yourself. How did you start the process of becoming like the celebrity that you are in our small neck of the woods that's becoming rapid, lot rapid uh, growing? Yeah, so video games have always been an important part of my life, and they never really conflicted with school or other milestone or benchmark things that you're just you're supposed to be good at. I guess I was lucky enough that school came naturally to me, so. Uh, my parents just kind of had this rule that you can play games as long as you're, you know, done with school, as long as you're polite, as long as your chores are done, as long as your behaviors are appropriate. So like being a good kid who stays out of trouble, I would have time to play video games, but I also did, you know, other things too. It wasn't like video games was a salient, you know, only escape kind of coping skill. I wasn't escaping from anything. I don't think. It was just fun, I, you know, starting back, you know, four years old, you know, our princess is in a different castle. Go get her, Mario. And uh, so you grow up, you know, playing all these games. And so I graduated high school and that was like PS2 GameCube era. Uh, that was Kingdom Hearts 1 era. And uh, I had just started playing Final Fantasy 7, even though it was not a new game at that yeah. point. I never, had, I never had a PS1. So um, I got a laptop for college. I got a PS1 emulator and I finally got to play um, the source of my jealousy towards so many other game players, which was Final Fantasy VII and, uh, and KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. So all these games, heavy RPG influence, uh, formative part of my life, all the games I'm playing involve uh, compelling main characters and leveling up and really good depiction of good versus evil, but in different ways. Like KOTOR has the force in the Star Wars aesthetic. Kingdom Hearts has just bananas, like Disney Final Fantasy mashup. And uh, Final Fantasy VII has Cloud and Sephiroth and um, Rip Aerith. <laughs> so... Um, this might surprise people that I have to go back 20 years to talk about how geek therapy starts, but I realized in my master's program, so I know I just jumped straight over college, but so I'm a master's student. I'm, 
I'm studying for a midterm exam the way I remember it. And this might be a little hazy in terms of actual how it happened, but I was on my laptop, IGN.com published a story that said Star Wars Zeal Republic, Bioware, new MMORPG in development. So it's like, great, in like four years, there will be a successor to KOTOR. And so I'm a master's student though. So it's like, I can't wait to play that. But then when it comes out, I'm a doc student and I have this big paper in my first semester. And we asked the teacher, how many pages does this have to have? But this is a doc program. So my teacher said, when your paper's done, it's done. My paper was 43 pages and it was on all the psychology articles I could find about people playing MMORPGs. And I turned in the paper and two days later, I got to play my first day of Star Wars The Old Republic. I created a Sith Sorcerer named Kaldon, which is a reshuffling of all letters that are in uh, different parts of my first and last name. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, that name literally is a plausible name that I would be called if I was in Star Wars. And I made him look as close to me as I could. And I thought, well, what, what would I want to be if I was in Star Wars? And I settled on a Sith Sorcerer like Emperor Palpatine, but much better looking, I like to think. Um, so my whole doc program, that first paper was all research of me just being a psych student. And then the entire rest of the program, every presentation I would do would be on the psychology of video games, the ethics of interacting with people through video games as a clinician, the cultural insights of thinking about gamer culture as a part of diverse culture. Every class was about the topic of the class, but about the topic of the class with video games being center stage. That's just how this doc program let us do our assignments. And it helped me to really own every topic in my field from the perspective of game players or who I'm helping here or families that have game players. So uh, eventually I get to do my research. Um, I started talking with people in BioWare um, just sort of on the outside, like my research wasn't officially sanctioned by them, but they were impressed by it. And I'm on their content creator team for that game, even though I don't play the game very much anymore. Um, and I started my private practice around the final 25% of my doc program. And I named it area of effect counseling or AOE counseling. And so, you know, in AOE, we cast those in video games or other RPG games, and they create destruction around a given area that's selected by the caster or heals for everyone standing in that selected area by the caster. And I thought that's, that's what I think my counseling sessions are, is it's, you know, that's the safe space. That's where the heals happen. <laughs> um, and, and hopefully it creates a, a heal over time as people leave the office and they can share that with people in their house. Um, so that that's what I went with. And so when people find me, if they recognize what that name is, they kind of know what they're in for. 
And so it became an expected part of my clinical identity is just to do therapy that way. And um, it's worked. It's been such an amazing journey. I love therapy a lot more than I did in community mental health, where it's like cookie cutter CBT and don't do anything that you personally care about. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's it's actually so much more rewarding to expect people to come up to a certain level to have conversations with me and be a little more creative about what your success condition in life looks like. So, um, you know, doc student, counselor, educator, uh, researcher, I, I think I've touched on at least the starting point for all of those. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it happened, you know, just playing Persona 5 Royal on my stream channel, you know, 115 hours of content every morning, just playing with people. Uh, that really started my channel off in a great direction last year. And uh, although I was streaming before that, of course, but that kind of created this whole like triad of AOE counseling. So licensed counselor, uh, Twitch streamer. I started my podcast to the gaming persona last year. And so me and my co-host Jenny, we talk about who we become when we play games with a specific topic every single week, as often as our schedules allow. Um, so, you know, this first year, by the time we reach September, I expect we'll probably be in the 46 to 48 episode range as far as how often we stick to that every week kind of thing. So it's not perfect, but I'm busy. So, um, <laughs> It's that's great. Like when we set out to do a weekly podcast, I honestly was thinking we're going to hit 30 episodes and it's going to actually be more like biweekly. But we did episode 37 this week, which I have to edit. Uh, we talked about the impact of discord and um, feelings of belonging and how we get them in the way we play games. So uh, it's it's been so fun to actually do peer reviewed like literature review for each of these topics. And it's actually helped me to sharpen my knowledge and know things that I can just start talking about with all these different topics. If, if the occasion presents itself, most people don't care about like data driven in your, in the midst of your conversation, but I do. So. No, that's actually really insightful actually. And uh, actually, I'm going to mute you for a second because, well, actually, no, I'm not. But so fun fact, uh, people will remember Sarah Nicholas. She was a guest on this podcast and she is very much in the podcast world. She's an author, writer, and she uses the podcast to help promote knowledge and platforming. But I always forget until she reminds me only like less than 30% of podcasts go beyond 10 episodes. That's very true. Yeah. So look at us making it. Yeah. I mean, if, if it matters to you, you keep going. And the reason one speculate speculative reason why is it can be depressing to see how many downloads you have after only 10 episodes. And it's a lot of work to record the podcast and edit it. And, um, you know, I actually enjoy doing it because there are, um, there are certain grading assignments 
that are very easy to grade while also listening through the footage and then you know editing you might have seven straight minutes before you have to do anything to the audio file so you know i i i do what's called temptation bundling and it's also a fun way to multitask like for example working out uh doing cardio on a on a on an elliptical but listening to music that's temptation bundling it's something to get you mentally to check out from the tough thing and enjoy the enjoyable thing while doing the tough thing. Uh, so I do that. I, I grade things while I'm editing the podcast. So uh, it gives me a break from Lord of the Rings every week. No, that's super. Like, I don't know. I learned something too. Like, what's it called again? Temptation. Temptation bundling. Bundling. Okay. Yeah. No, but see, people, this is why I love having other guests on. That's why I wanted the podcast to be about other people. Because... I learn, well, it's like that whole teacher thing. You learn as much as like the students do, but I really do. Cause I always bring on people and I'm like, ah, you have something I don't know about. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, well, it's fun. Like if you're in the right room, you are learning from the people around you. Yeah. And I don't know, just always a fun bundle of knowledge when you're around. Okay. But I am going to mute you for a second to plug in uh, Sarah Nicholas's work. So Queries, Qualms, and Quirks asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. Author Sarah Nicholas interviews authors of all genres about how they got started in pub writing, getting their first book deal, and their experiences with publication. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, find it on YouTube, or go to sarahnicholas.com. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H to learn more. Also, Sarah has Pub Talk Live, which is a publishing talk show broadcasting live to YouTube every second and fourth Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sarah is joined by joined in each episode by a different guest to talk about all aspects of the book publishing industry, including its intersections with other media and libraries. Find out more at all the same places. But yeah, <laughs> you're unmuted now. But yeah, I just remember I'm like, oh, I have to plug something sometimes because those people really helped me form my thing. And I listen to her show all the time. And that's how I remembered today. I was on driving back from my trip and I was like, oh yeah, wow. Super cool to hear because the 10 episode thing. Cause you it's are- It's good to pay it back. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your episode like 29, I think for me. Oh, wow. That's great. Congrats. Thanks. Sure. It's pre-recorded and everyone knows that. Today is June 30th, 2021, everyone. So by the time this episode comes out, who knows? But <laughs> either Hoosers, this is not about me. It's about you. So you have a Twitch channel, and the question I wrote was botched up, so we're going to go with this. Uh, uh, Geek Therapeutics has the streamers kit for, like, mental health and stuff. What are the stressors that you find with streaming, if any? I guess I'm about to cop out of the question, but I don't find streaming stressful. I don't think it's, it's a cop out because you said earlier, I just play games for fun. You just stream for fun. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I look at it and I think, wow, it would be really cool if this became part of my revenue, like that it's all scheduled. I do more prep for it. It is a product. Um, and make it so that, you know, someday maybe I do less therapy because streaming is 
viable and lucrative. But that's not where I'm at. It's been really nice to keep some friend circles active, you know, using the chat and just hanging out with some people who just prefer while they're playing Call of Duty on their screen to be able to talk with me the whole evening. That's a pretty common thing that I find is that my loyal viewers that I'm, I've been able to build online friendships with, they're not like sitting on their couch with a bowl of popcorn and watching me every night. They're doing something else themselves and I'm just a part of that. And uh, meanwhile, I'm trying to complete the main scenario quest in Final Fantasy 14, which is so many cutscenes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I created my character in November. I realized, so here's a fun fact. Before I was Dr. Gameology, I was Dr. Swotor because my research was on Star Wars The Old Republic, which acronym wise is Swotor. Um, I changed my name because I don't play SWOTOR anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, games like Persona 5 Royal and The Last of Us Part 2 and also Final Fantasy XIV were all games last year where I streamed them, and that helped me to jump out of the SWOTOR bubble a little bit. I created a male character at the beginning of 2020. I loved the game. I did not enjoy my character, but I didn't identify that it just got to the point where i felt like i'm not enjoying this but i don't know why so i started doing the podcast we did an episode that kind of revealed some things about character creation and so i went in just to create a character in final fantasy 14 to have a fresh perspective for the episode and so i created a female character stuck with the same class, uh, Black Mage, and started playing her instead. And I had already played that part of the game with my male Black Mage, but it was so much more fun. And there's not really a simple answer as to why that is, but I'm still playing, and she's a level 80 Black Mage and a level 71 White Mage and a level... You know, you, you have all the different classes in one character. Yeah. Um, so I created her in November, though. And it is the end of June. And I just finished Stormblood, which is the third part of a four-part story. And part five comes out at the end of the fall this year. It blows me away that I put that much intense effort into playing the game. And I'm still not at endgame. Because... Other MMOs that I might have been named after in the past are not that long at all. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Like Skyrim, you could beat in two hours. I know that's not an MMO, but it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, you can go straight to the point and and just finish it that afternoon for sure. And uh, there's no choice like that in <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV. But I love the game so much, and that's really the only game I'm streaming right now. Uh, I'm trying to build a bit of a consistent community around that game, but eventually there will be opportunities to branch out for sure. And I don't know, it's super exciting. A lot of the, the geek therapy people are all into that game. So one day maybe you can lead the clans or whatever we're calling them. 
I don't play So you're it. saying I should blast my link in their Facebook group every time I go live. I don't think Tony would hate that. No, he's told me I could, just don't make it feel spammy. So uh, that's kind of like, well, it it kind of is spammy. But, you know, one of, one of my personal goals, though, is to get to know more people in the Geek Therapeutics community because the reality is everything I'm talking about with you tonight is that like if people are interested in that those are the exact kind of people that i want to have networking with you know to to know where people are and the neat thing about geek therapy and aoe counseling and dr gameology and the research teams i'm on and all this stuff is that i'm licensed in two states right now but the range of who i talk with in a given week has become global because of the research aspect. So I have to know people everywhere, even if it's not in my ecosystem anymore. And it's such a neat, like, how did I get here kind of thing? So you, your first question, Danny, was a therapeutic geek internet celebrity. And when I first read that question, I was like, huh, okay. I was just coming on this podcast because I play D&D with you. And so it was a very like simple ask. You asked, I said, sure, I'd love that. And then that question kind of made me like, oh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Cause I, I, I still don't think about myself that way. Like I, I am Daniel, I just try to have a more interesting name and a, and a more interesting uh, spiel, like elevator pitch about what why people should go to therapy. How can it help? And why are video games so fascinating? You are here because we do play D&D together. That's how we met. And that's how I was like, hey, but also you have all this other fascinating stuff. And literally that's the whole point of the podcast. The shape of a star comes in all shapes and sizes. And if you go back and listen to episode zero, everyone, like it came about because I realized people don't notice how cool they are until I bring them on and I ask them all about the cool stuff. And they're like, oh, wow, I did do that. I did do that too. Huh? Yeah. Well, I, I think that, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. Like that's exactly how I feel is I have a tendency with my personality type, which is an INTJ. So specifically with um, the thinking and the judging. Um, so, so you look at situations, you expect them to be planned you expect them to be logical and reasonable and efficient. And those are the places where I guess I'm most comfortable and effective with my personality type. But the downside to that is everything can be better. And you don't step back and say that was good enough very often. And uh, so it's, it's nice to have conversations like this. Well, I'm glad. Also, I am, uh, I always have to pull it up. I-N-F-J. I used to be I-N-F-P. Yeah. And well, e the difference between J and P is how structured you like your lifestyle to be. So P is much happier with spontaneity, and J is much happier with uh, different amounts of Outlook calendars being used. From enough to get by to everything has to be on here, if you're extreme about it. That's me now. It used to be. I used yeah. to just be like, oh, whatever. We can do whatever. Now I'm like, no, I'm too busy. I need this on a calendar to keep everything neat. Yeah. If it's on my calendar, I will do it with near 100% certainty. If it's not there, then I'm going to be busy when you say, hey, where are you? 
<laughs> so I'm glad that you also put Friday night games on your calendar because I had to because I was like, I don't remember the last time we played. Well, it was two weeks ago. You know, it blew me away that um, Joe, our, our dungeon master, said last session that he almost forgot. And I'm sitting there like, what do you mean? This is the most enjoyable part of my entire Outlook calendar. I've been looking at this for five days with anticipation. <laughs> um, you know, I'm having... You know, he actually makes me wonder if I would want to put the work in to do the therapeutic, the therapeutic dungeon master program, because even though I'm new to the game, I see what he's doing and he's really good at it because there are times where I feel like he's pulling all the strings to make me feel like I'm important to this story. And then I step back and realize, oh my gosh, I bet you Danny and Adam and Shane have these feelings sometimes too. Uh, maybe not Tony, because he's always talking about how he created the wrong character. But I think Tony <laughs> even probably feels it too. Uh, if he can get past the fact that he's Meowstar. Um, it, it's such a fun group. And uh, even when I'm in character and I'm, I'm giving Shane a hard time, I, I really just enjoy how he seems to play off of that. And his character responds to like, how can we have these expectations for him? And, and, you know, Joe does a really good job, I think, of putting opportunities for all of us to matter in each play session. And like, that's really the point of being a counselor and choosing what to ask questions about and where to explore. And the idea that, you can make people have that feeling when you never talked about anything that's real beyond the reality that if these classes existed, I would want to be a wizard with, you know, some alchemy abilities. Uh, but there's a reason I choose that. And so even though it's a fictional concept in terms of the limits of my human body and what it can do out here, it's very real because I chose it. And, and power and choice. That's right. Yes. And so if I believe that our character creation decisions in an MMO on Star Wars can give us insight into saying, yeah, so personality wise, this is how you're likely to appreciate things in life. And this is how you're likely to structure your play session inside the game. Then it, it works in D&D &D also, obviously. I mean, MMOs exist because of D&D. &D and technology advancing to the point where we can do MUDs and we can do EverQuest and we can do WoW and we can do Final Fantasy and Star Wars. Yeah, and that's a really good point too, that it was making sure that every one of us has a highlight, because I'll be honest, I think DM is so, DMing is so stressful. It drives me insane because I've done it many times. And I'm thinking, does it just make me feel like I'm at work? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I got my my uh, Geek Therapeutics Dungeon Master journal today in the mail, hey. and and I read through the whole thing uh, because I've never had a D and D journal of any kind, and seeing the pages and what they ask you to fill out, it really made me appreciate just in like fifteen minutes of studying that book to be like, oh. Joe is brilliant, but I could be too. 
using something <laughs> like this for six months and learning how to think about this stuff without needing to write it down anymore. And, and then, so once you can do a lot of it without writing it down, the things that you do choose to write down are much more specific and much intentional. more purposeful. intentional. Yes. And it's there to make it go to the next level instead of just making it be basic. So you do the basic stuff in your head because you're talented at DMing and you do the nitty gritty stuff because you're human and you can't remember every single thing on the paper. And then boom, you eventually can become Joe Adonazio. Um, well, maybe something close. <laughs> His level of skill. We want you to be yourself too, people. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, individuality, uniqueness, optimal, <laughs> optimal distinctiveness, as we call it in uh, MMO games. Uh, yes, we want you to capture all that. Intrinsically motivated. Uh, but you can buy a wonderful Geek Therapeutics Dungeon Master Journal at their website and on Amazon. So uh, <laughs> they didn't tell me to say that, but that's how I buy it. I buy it off Amazon. And uh, like, I, I don't know when I'm going to get to use it, but so happy I have it because it, it, it helps me to see how our play sessions actually work. Uh, and, and so that that's going to be really interesting to think about in a couple of days when we get to go deeper into the abyss. I'm going to burn the tree down by the way. Like it's, it's Ooh. already, it's already a given. Like we're, we're getting attacked inside a dried out wooden hollow tree in the middle of a, a pond. Like I've already burnt the boat down. It's, it's going to happen. I'm here for it, but that's actually the thing. Me and Shane's play style are so different. <laughs> And that's why it's funny. Adam was telling me before, he was like, no, you've really grown into like being comfortable with the game. I was like, oh no, I don't think you understand. I am the biggest like time hog on earth in RP, but also the group I was playing with, they're very introverted. They're really there just to like hang out with each other. And I was like, okay, well, no one's going to drive the story. Fine. I'll do it. So I'm very good at driving a story and a narrative, but because I know you, Shane hasn't played in like what, 20 something years. You are new to the game. I think it's also very fair. Hey, let you drive the narrative because it's your first experience. And that's why I pop up when things are getting like confusing. And I'm like, no, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> well, I followed you into the hold of the ship last week. And that resulted in, for me, the next hour of the play session being so amusing. Um, because... I am playing a very different character than you, but I think temperament wise, we are very different people and you are going into an RP space. Whereas I think my character is more naturally just a projection of me. If I like re release the rails mm -hmm. where like I can be just as cranky as I ever get grading the worst papers you can imagine. Um, and by the way, a lot of my students are doing great work. Uh, it's Yay. just, um, you know, like the 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 cranky Gandalf because uh, you know Pippin knocked the pail all the way down the well in Moria. Like that's sort of a a. I see that scene at least once a week because I use Lord of the Rings as a grading mechanism. But it just kind of that frustration is like where I'm at because Into the Abyss started out with us losing all of our gear to start the story. So like. 
it kind of taught me just be just be miffed about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just lucked out. I was a sorcerer and I was like, okay, well. Yeah, well, I, I had to I had to enchant my spider friend and then it died. So then we had to kill a big spider and now I have a spider staff. Apparently that's a bad omen and I don't understand how bad of an omen it is to be the spider wizard. Uh, I, so maybe when I burn the tree down, I need to grab a, uh, I need to use some kind of alchemy skill to change the shape of some wood and have a real staff. Honestly, you could probably just break off a piece of wood and just make it your new staff. I think all you got to do is like hug it for an hour or something like that, which on the ship. Yeah. Do we have an hour though? Yeah. So, so take the wood with me and, and just then, hug it on the boat. And then when we're on the boat, I can like torch the spider leg and say, I'm done with this and say that I'm honoring like whatever person got killed in our party last week. <laughs> whichever one because we have so many NPCs well there was a moment where I tried to save someone from getting eaten by the monster in that weird religion village that we were at and uh, his final words were like a caution to me like don't lose yourself or something so maybe I've just been thinking about that for a month in our time uh, so like three hours in the game time and uh yeah, maybe I can have a, a really meaningful, transformative moment if we escape this tree that I'm going to burn down. Well, I'm all for it. Self-growth, self-promotion. By the way, everyone, if you want to watch that episode again, it's the June 18th, 2021 episode. And it was honestly a super fun just session because, yeah, I, literally last time I was like, look, basically, I'm off the rails now. Like, cool. Ever since Adam basically challenged me and called me out for, like, being a shy person, I was like, nope, not anymore. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do what I need to. And I've realized I'm the utility of the party, and I didn't know that. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not very many options. So anything you bring to the table, like, we're we're very limited. Our character creation session, we, we didn't bother getting a healer, for one. And uh, you I have many... Yeah, I think that a lot of people did. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you being our utility person, uh, I don't know exactly what that means in D&D, &D, but I understand, you know, support classes enough from MMOs. I think I get what you're saying. I hate supports. <laughs> but I get what you're saying, yeah. It, it like, it completes the... the, you know, the holy trinity of MMO gaming, right? Like, you can't succeed at boss fights if one of those three points is too weak mm -hmm. you know your tanks have to understand the mechanics of the fight the healers need to do their job and the dps need to be damage checks and not die so yeah not die <laughs> yeah our party in our campaign is missing some of those characteristics just by um you know, our session zero choices that we made. But Joe makes it work. And yeah, he is. That's the thing, though, because I also noticed, like, because, okay, so everyone world, I'm just a very lucky roller. I've always been super lucky my whole life. So, like, like last time, how I killed two giants in one turn, mm -hmm. I was like, that was pure luck. I was, And I don't even roll the dice. I just click a button now. Yeah. 
That's true. We have the dice in rule 20. Yeah. So I'm just, I feel bad because I'm like, look, I'm not trying to take everything, but I made the fog. I ran. <laughs> I made the fog in the lava pit because I was like, I'm not getting attacked by a snake lava thing. I made the wind happen in another episode. And I'm just playing in a very frantic mind state because I know that's how the character is. He's just high maintenance, high frantic. And like, he's a persona, your character's a persona of you. Mine's definitely a somewhat persona of me. Just thrown into yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, what would I do? Well, I would fend for myself. Boom. And that's how I became the utility because it just happened to benefit everyone. Right. But because you chose to do that, it made it so our tank character, which I guess is Meowstar, took much less damage throughout that whole battle uh, and missed a lot, but took less damage, right? Yes. Like that's really important because we were facing things that seemed pretty scary in that battle. So I, I just think it's really interesting the problem solving that goes into a, a combat sequence in D&D that really you have such an an opportunity to use your imagination to problem solve. Uh, whereas in standard video games, you have the buttons and the combos that the game devs give you. Yeah. And, and then the really impressive stuff is scripted and you have to discover what is scripted. Um, so in D and D it's much more like, you know, the neat thing is Joe is deciding always what he's going to allow us to do and when he's going to use the rules to say no way. And, I still find that there are so many opportunities for us to use our creativity and create the adventure that we will all enjoy. So I guess that's a huge credit to him having never done his job, but it seems like he deserves some credit for that. But for us too, it's really neat to see, you know, our first combo move happened two sessions ago. Um, and just some of the really funky dynamics that we create like just complete fog over the whole ship and then burning the ship up from the hold um you know which i i didn't realize that was going to happen but it was fun i'm glad i did it <laughs> that actually leads into so here's the other cool thing we basically skipped over eight of the questions by answering them just naturally so we're all the way down now and what's been your favorite part of the game so far because you've had a lot of highlights well i like to so starting out the game, it's my first real campaign that I have been dedicated to since I was a doc student. I played Pathfinder for about three sessions, but I was writing parts of my dissertation during those play sessions. It was go time. Yeah. It was not, it was not the right time for me to be picking up uh, TTRPGs uh, at all. But... I learned about Roll20, so the the first couple sessions, I'm looking at it and I'm just asking, how do I do this? Or I have this idea, but how do I do it? And so now we're at the point where I'm still asking, how do we do it? But the basic stuff I can do without that dependence on other players. And so because of that, I would definitely say our our last two or three sessions have been much more enjoyable for me. I think the moment where I got four kills with one fire cone, uh, I forget the name cone of the Cone of fire, I think it's called. Yeah, so Burning it hands. was a, 
Burning Hands. Yes, it was in the religion village where we were in the middle of a religious war slash, yes, slash uh, sacrifice tribute to the princess and all that stuff. Um, there was this, you know, that was just a fun play session for me because there was this weird, like, getting hit on by, uh, the, and I just have no interest in that at all. So um, I hid from that, and then I killed, like, half of her soldiers before the evil god ocean monster showed up and ate our friend. So, uh, yeah, our friend. Yeah, that's the one that said, don't lose myself, and it, it's really messed with my head. Um, but also, you know, getting the enchanted sword, uh, for Shane and then I guess Adam is in possession of it now. That True. was a fun play session, uh, because I'm the reason we went down there. Me and my, uh, head cannon for what my character is, you know, the idea that there would be knowledge of this, you know, ancient wizard magic society, there's like, there's no way that I would not speak up and say, let's go down there. But the fact that the group said, okay, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, burning the, the boat down in the middle of a battle and causing us to have to run around the fire a little bit last week. That was fun too. So I guess that's not one moment, but <laughs> this, this, the sequence of events for me, it still flows because all those things happen because of the previous moment in the previous moment. Um, so I guess as, as I get more comfortable playing my wizard, um, I also get more comfortable playing the game. And, and so that's why I'm enjoying the most. It's not really a, a moment in the narrative. It's just moments where I'm figuring out ways to use my character. Yeah. And I think you've really grown into your character. Well, plus we have that awesome art now. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, I'm in the bottom right corner just being as unamused as possible. And I, I love it so much. And although my character's super blue, he has my lips. I was like, whoa, of all the things he could have pulled off me, my lips. Wow. I mean, we have the same hair, but my hair is not that unique. I mean, color wise, it is now. I just dyed it, but <laughs> I see that it looks great. Well, Thanks. I'm not much of a hair crick, but I think it looks great. And so as far as my opinion can go, good job. I appreciate it. But, okay, who do you think is the fan favorite character, like PC, of the game so far in our campaign? Because you, the viewers come because of you. Because you know you're like an internet geek therapy celebrity. But do you think there's a fan favorite? Okay, so if we're looking at the chat activity, I... I do tend to bring about one or two people who are actually watching based on what they're saying. And they're interacting with me and Tony throughout the evening, uh, you know, so it might be me, uh, but I also, <laughs> I also host the, I host the event on my channel and I drop it in my discord. So a handful of people know. Um, so that might be a little bit of a, skewed answer but if i was watching our stream i think meow star might be like the lead character if i mean if it's not called in uh yeah you know, there's that name again showing up right like 
it's same same psychological choice there. My wizard is just letters from my name. Mm -hmm. um, it, I don't know. See, it really depends on the person because I really like your character too. I I don't know what the resolution for our characters are all going to be either. I guess that depends a lot on Joe also. It depends on uh, our own roles too. Like we could just roll and die and not save ourselves. That's true. Um, you know, Adam's character, Patrick, I think has an interesting arc too, because he got canceled out of an entire episode of our campaign. And then as a player, he had to play the, the, the giant guy who I don't even know if he lived. Did he live? I don't remember. So sad, but that shows how <laughs> talented Adam is, uh, to be able to do that and make that character compelling. And then you and I rescue Patrick and he's just right back with his accent and his curiosity. And he's like our lore master in our group too. Um, I had not realized that it would have been smart for me to take actual human notes while we were playing early in the game. Uh, so if I had the campaign to do over completely from scratch, I would buy a note, just a blank, notebook spiral bound for our campaign i think that would have helped me a lot yeah uh, i'm the worst note taker for D because i'm like look i'm not here to take notes i'm here to just react showing yeah. my situation boom but that's but that's such a you character thing to do like i love when we're in when we're doing our strategy that you're like but how do i get all the attention on myself or <laughs> How do I do something that is mostly acrobatic and flashy uh, or hide under the water? You know, like you still end up supporting us with like fog spells and stuff. It's just that's that's why I followed you last session, because I was just like, eh, I'm going to get flattened out here with the strong people. So <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit more like Jacques and uh, not die right now. And look, I brought reinforcements. You blew up the ship. We were the heroes. They were the distractions. We rescued Patrick by ourselves. Yes. And we, <laughs> I know everyone wanted us to get the note from the dwarf, but I was like, I don't really care. Well, I blew I'm up just... the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that note's not surviving that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and now we're fighting hags. That's true. We're fighting hags. We shouldn't have even gone up there. We should have killed her at the boat. <laughs> you are turning into a murder hobo. No, I'm trying to efficiently win the game. It is very obvious that you are not going to form an important friendship with a scary witch lady that lives in a tree in the middle of an evil river. Um, she in the underdark. Have with me. Okay. Well, we didn't, we didn't, um, we did not kill her as quickly as I wanted to. And now we're in her house with our backs to the wall instead of the door, which therapy trick friends always make sure that you have the door closest to you and not your client, right? Like we failed our own therapy rule in D&D &D in this hag's house. To be fair, there are windows and I can jump into the water, but... 
<laughs> well, see, there you go. You right? You you have an escape plan. It's going to be flashy and acrobatic, and uh, I I don't know how well I can float down to the water. I don't actually remember what age I am. I think I'm probably my own actual age, and I'm a very young wizard that's pretty spry, but. I'm so cranky that sometimes I forget and I think I'm like 400 years old. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what anyone's age is. I don't even remember what my age is. It's on my character sheet, but whatever. I'll, we'll check on Friday and let each other know because yeah, tiny bit important. But no, I'm so glad that you're having such a fun time with the D&D. It really is fun to play. And oh, super fun. I, I'm so glad that I pushed myself into this group. It was just a random, I was text messaging Tony about either my journey presentation, the video game journey, mm -hmm. or it was about the Pokemon book. Uh, I don't remember which, but he mentioned that he was busy organizing a therapeutic D&D game. And so like, I don't know if he was like baiting me to see like, well, if he's interested, he'll ask. Uh, but I was just like, oh, well, I don't have anything to do. Can I join? Is there is there a spot? And he's like, it just so happens that there is. Can you create your character tonight? And and so that's, that's how that happened. You were the last second edition. I was, yeah. So uh, I had never played before, but, um, you know, I moved out to Arizona just to teach. The pandemic took my classroom away from me. And made it so all my coworkers did not live in Phoenix. So I was out there living there physically with no socialization at all. So at the time, I was thinking, I need friends. <laughs> and, um, you know, the Therapeutic Dungeon Master program, I, I thought, that's really interesting, but I don't know how to play D&D. So that just seemed like a perfect thing for me to at least ask. And the answer happened to be yes. So it worked out perfectly for me. Uh, I could have very easily just stuck with the two topics of like journey presentation, Pokemon chapter. Have a great day, Tony. Uh, so that's another thing that I would just hopefully inspire people is if, if you want something, ask. And if the answer is no, you're in exactly the same spot as you were before you asked. That's what I tell everyone. I'm like, if they say no, your life didn't change. Didn't change, right? So, um, you know, it, it's really neat to, and plus it's a, it's a very public game. Like I can talk about it on my video game streams because- True, because a lot of what you do, you can't talk about because there's so much NDA and spoilers and like, oh, this is actually going to sell one day. So I can't like go out and just spread content for free. Oh, well, I wish I was better at thinking that way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but but the D&D &D game, it, it is really fun to talk about because there's so many cutscenes and, and lots of dead time in Final Fantasy fourteen. So it's like, yeah, so I followed Jock into the hold and we blew up a boat. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice little conversation topic to have in your back pocket. Nice. Well, I'm glad we provide that for you. But since you brought up Tony... How did you meet Tony? Uh, that's actually also because of the pandemic. So I had this, like, as Dr. Gameology 
goes, I, I just wanted to do something that was more in line with video game research. So there was a day where I was just, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down. I knew about Geek Therapeutics because of like researching things that I would want to do, like as like dream big. And so naturally online, I found it and I started, you know, I followed it on Facebook. So I started seeing what CEU trainings are coming up. And that was, that was a while ago, like way before I said, hi, Tony, I'm Dr. Kaufman. And uh, there was just this one day where I was like, I have this idea for a presentation I really want to do on personality type, Star Wars, and uh, motivation for playing online games. So basically my dissertation research. So I went to the website and I just asked like, hey, I would really like to be involved with what you do. Uh, this is exactly what I'm all about as a clinician. And so the, the bot started talking back to me in the little bottom right corner, like contact us chat thing. I thought I was talking just to a rando person that worked for Geek Therapeutics. But when I was giving my spiel about this is what my research has included so far, the bot said, oh, that's very similar to my dissertation research. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I talking with Anthony Bean right now? Uh, yeah, Look at you sounding like he's a celebrity too. Well, well, I knew what his research was because I already knew like, so, so like on Discord, he's video game doc and I'm Dr. Gameology. Like his study, I think was a five factor model of personality and mine is the Myers-Briggs. So when I say Coke and Pepsi, it's not just a cutesy thing uh, <laughs> to, to give people something provocative like pop culture-y to remember or soda culture-y uh, to remember. <laughs> um, it's it's literal, like down to the DNA of how we decided to become what we are. Um, now, the one thing about Geek Therapeutics is I love that it's very organized and they have their publishing wing. They're creating products that are very helpful for clinicians. Whereas the way I'm helpful for clinicians is more through supervision sessions and trainings and certifications and creating exam content and stuff like that. Um, so it's like we're, I feel like the neat thing about our dynamic is we're trying to be two different sides of the same coin. But now we have things like this D&D &D game and, and some CEU presentations and collaboration where it's like we're, we're in the same space now. So like, uh, I, I get really excited about stuff like that. Just the opportunity to collaborate with people who are passionate about the same kinds of things. And I very do, I very much strongly believe that this is one of the best ways to connect with our populations of clients is through things they care about. There are so many lessons about life that we could talk about just from watching the episodes of Loki that are coming out every Wednesday. And you don't talk with your master's students about that ever unless you're a teacher like me, like that's, that's actually so valuable. Just they'll remember that forever. If like, if you can remember something that happened in your therapy session forever, that's a good therapy session. 
because you're going to um, you're going to innovate off of that uh, subconsciously throughout the rest of your time being conscious. So, uh, yeah, it was just a random chat message thing where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm talking directly to you. I was trying to say, how do I talk to you? So, oh, no, say I thought you two known each other for years since your dissertations are so similar. I'm like, oh, these people known each other forever. Our, our dissertations came out around the same time, too. So it would have really messed things up for either of us if one of us would have completed our dissertations first. Yeah. <laughs> because our, our, uh, our chair people, if they're doing their jobs right, would have said, how is your study different than what this guy did? And we would have been like, it's a different personality test in a different game. And that might have worked. You know, Honestly, with Mike Lee, yeah, that, that might have worked. But um, I, I was always terrified of seeing the words Star Wars, the Old Republic, personality theory, or Myers-Briggs type indicator. Like two out of those three in one research article from... 2011 to 2016, I was terrified that someone would do that because I wanted to be that person. <laughs> it mattered. It mattered so much to me uh, to have Star Wars be a part of my dissertation journey, um, which is kind of funny now because I, uh, I'm not very much into the the whole thing going on with much of star wars now uh mandalorian is great we're not going to talk about any of that danny let's stay focused on me being a star and not the sequel trilogy <laughs> all right well no but like it's super cool to hear like your passions because like i said i thought you and tony have been longtime friends because i feel like i just stumbled upon tony because here's what happened i saw a facebook ad and i was like oh what's this click oh my god this is so easy to get i could become a certified geek therapist Ooh. Fancy. I had a PD fund at work that I had to burn anyway. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's try this. And I messaged Tony because something in a training, I was like, hold up. That's not right. And me being confrontational is everything. <laughs> I was like, I have to talk to you. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, just call me. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So we talked it out. It was fine. And then he's like, you want to do a training by the way? Cause I know you do the kingdom hearts mindfulness thing. And I was like, great. So my training is September 4th, everyone. Well, 2021. This comes out way after. Never mind. Join Geek Therapeutics. You can find my training and hear me talk all about Kingdom Hearts at some point. But yeah, and that's like the only thing I do other than just run supervision for geek therapy stuff. Because like you're with the Pokemon thing. Adam's like writing like side paths. Joe's like on the board. Shane did like his memes and stuff like prep trainings. And I'm always like, wow, all you people. Are like really like professional everyone has a doctor except for me and adam but adam's like working on it and i'm just like huh cool i'm just here having fun i like to think of myself as the face of geek therapeutics sometimes even though tony definitely handles it but i'm like yeah but like i'm an easier face to talk to sometimes <laughs> <laughs> well you don't need a doctorate in order to do like important things like that. So I, I would just always recommend for people, like if, if you're surrounded by a bunch of doctorate people, but you are existing in that space, then you're doing what you need to do. Like just, you know, believe in yourself. And that just means that they enjoy getting credit hours more than you do. 
That's, yeah, that's really it. Yeah. Like I, I tell people this all the time. If you are a successful nightmare raider in MMOs, intellectually, you have what it takes to have a doctorate. You just didn't choose to do that. Um, it's so much harder to be effective at hard video games than it is to work hard at academia. It's just about managing that mental energy and focusing it on the right things. And that's exactly because I definitely feel that because I was like, I could go for a doctor. And I was like, but I don't want to. I can't yeah. even pick something I'd want a doctorate and write a dissertation on. So I'm like, you know what? That's how I developed my whole other side gigs that I talk about in other episodes. So catch those if you want to hear about that. But back to you being the star that you are. So how do you pick your topics for your podcast? At the beginning of the show, we created a master list of things that we were just talking about as friends. Uh, and, and that's really how Jenny and I stumbled into doing the podcast is I was on the longest running podcast for Star Wars The Old Republic for two years, um, Utini Cast. And that podcast, actually, I introduced myself to them. I was a listener, and I needed a way for people to hear about my research and decide to participate. So I started oh. guest, guest appearances on their show the summer that I was cleared by my IRB to collect data. So they were very important for me becoming uh, Dr. Sotor en route to Dr. Gameology. Then one of their hosts decided to stop playing the game, stepped down. I became the permanent uh, host, second host. Uh, and then I did that for two years. But then uh, my academic side started feeling really stressful and I wasn't playing the game anymore. So I stepped down. But six months later, my stream channel went in the neat direction I've already described and a uh, new stream name, new games, new online identity. And that identity was tied directly into my private practice now. So it started to feel like, oh, well, this stream identity, my students could know about. It wouldn't be the end of the world because I'm sharing ideas at least once every stream that if they're good clinicians in the future, I hope they know that stuff. Uh, so the... So I started my podcast, uh, me and Jenny, we were just having these very podcasty kind of conversations about how games work anyway, while I was making my way through The Last of Us Part Two. And there's a moment in that game that blew me away. Uh, actually, two moments in that game that blew me away. One of them's really sad. So um, my stream encouraged me to name the horse that you're right. Have you played The Last of Us Part Two? Nope, and it's too scary for me to so spoil away. Spoiler warning okay. for everyone else moving forward. Spoiler warning for The Last of Us Part 2 winner of 70 million Game of the Year awards last year because it's amazing and controversial. So naturally humans loved it. Yep. Um, so you ride a horse at the early parts of the game. And I did not pick up the name of the horse so my stream chat encouraged me to just create my own name. We named it Pickles. And 45 seconds later, a bomb blows up and the bad guys shoot Pickles in the head. And I'm just there on stream like, 
What trolls? <laughs> I mean, it's in a cutscene. It's built into the game. But I'm playing the game cold. Like, I've not played it before. No, I know, but like, they probably knew. Oh, sure. No, no, these were my friends. They didn't... They didn't... Um, they were experiencing the game firsthand with me. So I'm traumatized. I'm traumatized. They killed Pickles. Uh, that's not the actual name of the horse. I think it's Summer or something like that. Uh, but for me, that horse is named Pickles. So that moment uh, and the previous stream, like literally less than five minutes of gameplay earlier, I did a mental health moment about equine therapy. Uh, so like, and, and so the game audio is, is my background track while I'm talking when I do these moments. So you hear the horses neighing and breathing while I'm talking about equine therapy. I'm front and center on the screen with my last of us background. Um, and, but then like two minutes later in the narrative of the story, like the, the first five minutes of my stream the next morning. Pickles is dead. So Pickles, no. Yeah. So it's uh so that was moment number one that really made me realize, like, wow, I'm having podcasts, like I miss podcasting. I wish that people could hear us have these conversations. Me talking to my co-host Jenny, but just on the telephone. And then there's a scene in a barn more than halfway through the story. And um, Ellie has a such a true, accurate video game representation of what PTSD is. Uh, just a out of nowhere trigger moment and pure fear and pure like cascading psychological memories just like in fast sequence, the way video games can. And I was blown away that I don't have PTSD. It's not a condition I live with. But if you counsel long enough, you work with people that do. And seeing that on the screen was exactly what I would imagine when I'm trying to tap into my empathetic ability as a counselor to sort of see as best I can someone else's perspective. And so I did a mental health moment on PTSD and uh, flashbacks and triggers, how they come out of nowhere and what it's like to feel them and how the video game depicted it. And, and that was really the, the, like, the, one of the final catalysts of, we have to do this show. Um, you have so, to talk about all the stuff that you're realizing too. Yeah, I mean, it. We haven't done an episode on any specific diagnosis represented in video games. It's been a lot more like positive psychology angle, um, a lot more lighthearted or insight exploratory kind of conversations about, you know, motivation for playing or personality types or player typology or things like that. But you're doing a weekly podcast, you're going to run out of those kinds of topics. And eventually you will have to just say the psychology of the last of us, you know, yeah. like that's, that's going to eventually happen. And uh, so, so that's how the show happened is I miss podcasting, but I didn't want to be shackled 
by one game and you know one community and i wanted to be able to take all the things i do in you know in geek therapy and in games research and not just have to say like what's new in the in the uh patch notes for star wars the old republic <laughs> um, you know it's it's fine i i still want very much to like that game always it's given me a lot but I, I don't play it anymore because of the flow of content. And it's a really hard game when you play on the nightmare difficulty, like super hard. Think too hard for what it's worth. Um, and uh, so I'm happy with the games I'm playing now. I'm happy with the podcasting I'm doing now. And uh, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. No, and that's super awesome. So, are you ready for the rapid fire question portion, which is not on the list? <laughs> oh, that's fine. So we're doing free association. Like you say a word and I say a word. Basically, and except this is more fun, and it's fun to see who can actually do it rapid fire because only one person so far has been. Because we always go off because it's funny stuff that comes up. But yes. Okay. Here we go. Uh, yeah, put me to the test. Let's see what happens. Well, number one, you should be able to do this. What are your chosen coping skills? Uh, streaming. Nice. Pick a side, Lancaster or York? York. Where do you stand on the Oxford comma? Oh, use all the commas. <laughs> If I told you to bring a pie to pie day, what kind of pie would you bring? Uh, the kind that you can read on a calculator. <laughs> um, what is an innocent phrase that you have mistakenly or subconsciously weaponized? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> have you actually said that to people? Oh, I, I've told many different classes that that's my favorite game show before nice so what show is it from i can't even remember i just oh the weakest link duh the weakest link yeah i always think it's like some like weird other show but no you're right what's a trend that went too far uh everything on tiktok why is everyone hating on tiktok lately um <laughs> i'm too uh, old i don't get it <laughs> i feel left out <laughs> so you hate it because it's different um Back in my day, Danny. <laughs> All right. We used to do social media with words, not little videos. 120 characters on tick Twitter. Right? It was 120? Whatever. I'm yeah, it was 120. It. Yeah. Yeah. Look how far we've gone. 240. Um, <laughs> if you could rule an established country or territory in this world, where and why? Uh, Japan, I wouldn't want to change anything, but I just want to be closer to the games I love. Oh, what a fun answer. Um, if you were the pageant contestant or large platform holder, what would your philanthropy or cause be? Uh, I would want to get something that spreads the news about healthy gaming, uh, help people to understand it better and not hate on it and pathologize it, weaponize it. 
as if you don't already do that with your celebrity geek therapist status. Yeah, just, you know, need the platform to keep growing, right? Like, that's the goal. Yeah. I always wonder, too. I know. Oh, well, we'll go to that after. <laughs> um, what Avatar Nation would you come from? Uh, fire. Ooh. How come? I always like fire in everything. I just think that it's the most aggressive element. In a way, yes. I don't like being cold. Well, that's why our characters are so opposite and yet the same ish. <laughs> uh, who would play you in a documentary or movie about your life? Oh my gosh. This, I can't rapid fire answer that. Who would play me? I wish I could ask my wife. Like, that would be such a fascinating answer from her. Um, Danny, who do you think would play me in a documentary about me after all this conversation we're having? Tony. <laughs> <laughs> or is his acting ability very good? I don't know, but he lived your life in a way. So, yeah. That'd be funny if you two just played each other. <laughs> that would be funny. Like, um, oh man, I saw a, a post on his Facebook or Reddit, like where it's like a, a buddy comedy where like Vin Diesel and someone else are playing D and D and they're at Comic Con and the villain is Elijah Wood, Daniel but Radcliffe. played by Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like they might possibly have a very similar thing as me and Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I could be there as myself. Maybe it's just name association, but no. See, see, you can't have someone that's too happy uh, playing me. They have to have like this uh, frustrated at everything kind of thing. They're actors. They're actors. That's a good point. Oh, man. I, I can't answer that. I'm going to text my wife right now and see if she has a... Okay. Like, she's she's going to have such a better answer. Oh, I cannot wait to hear your answer. Even if it's Friday. Or you can just DM me in whatever she says. But if you could think of something, let me know. Last one. What's your ideal five minutes of fame? Um, I think it would be really cool to do some kind of geek therapy, video game, personality theory kind of presentation at a big games conference. Um, you mean like what I've, Tony does all the time? Yes, but I haven't done that yet. I have done so many mental health conferences, you know, national and regional and states and, um, you know, I've been reimbursed for them some, you know, more often than not now, which is hey. really great. That's so cool. Um, but I, I think ultimately when my message ends up being in front of populations of game players and it gets well received, um, I think that that would create the natural symmetry that I'm looking for where I, I do a lot to educate counselors. I do a lot to educate parents. And the one thing that I would be hoping for, uh, you know, even within the next year or so is, 
you know, to do something like a PAX or an E3 or something like that. That would be like, th that's the current goal. Because then you would be presenting it to the, uh, to the target audience and they would get it. And thus it'd be cool and validating. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's actually a couple things that I didn't even talk about. Some of them I can't talk about yet. But like one of the main things I do research team wise is um, I'm the, the chairperson organizer for the DSM-5 committee on gaming disorder issues. Wow. So we're trying to put together the report that will decide whether gaming disorder becomes in the DSM-5 and you can bill for it or remains in section three where it's just an idea and we need to keep researching it. And so that's something that takes up a lot of my time uh, that is some of the most fulfilling work that I do. Um, and, and so I guess when that is over, that's another big thing that would be like a dream big goal. Yeah, that is a super cool goal. Just need power. Oh, all good. Okay, so actually, that this is now us wrapping it up. So... One, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a ball to have you. We could have talked for more and more, but it is getting late for our life. So I know you had stuff in the morning. I Oh, yeah, I have to go back to work after being off for four days. So, <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to share with the audience of us people or whoever is listening out there now? Yeah, so if you are interested in any of the ideas that I've been talking about with Danny tonight or today, or the afternoon, whenever you decide to listen to this, you can find my show, The Gaming Persona Podcast, on all the different podcast places that people generally use. Um, and if you want to watch me play Final Fantasy XIV or games that make me feel as much dread as The Last of Us Part II, uh, that's twitch.tv slash drgameology. And uh, if you need counseling help and you're in Florida or Arizona, and you would want to work with me, aoecounseling.com is where you would find me for your counseling needs. So um, I try to do a little bit of everything and help people in all the ways I can. That's such a nice way to wrap it all up. Try to help everyone in any way or in the ways you can. Like, oh, what a feel-good ending. Well, it's all about putting the right AOEs on the ground, right? A on. <laughs> My always every time I hear AOE, I always think, check if friendly fire is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of families don't turn off friendly fire, and that's why they need therapy. No, and <laughs> please, when I play League, I half the time I'm like, where is friendly fire? Oh, you're still talking about video games. I'm talking about households. But see, it works. This is what I'm saying, right? Like if people applied all the logic they used to be successful at League of Legends in life and just figured out that metaphor successfully, they'd be God-level efficient with this game we call life. And our human bodies have its own limits. See, you have the best phrases. Okay, everyone. So, satellites out there. You can catch us next orbit on the next episode. Check out all the Dr. Gameology stuff throughout life. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Continue the journey, everyone.
Okay, real fast. This is the first post-credit scene we have, which actually fits well because you were like the last guest of season one. But this just in world, Dr. Gameology's wife replied about who would play him. Yeah, she says James McAvoy. Hey, okay. Peace out, world, and stick around for our next special episode. And then after that, season two. Peace.